Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. We want to welcome you today to, to, today to our Resurrection Day live stream worship service. Thank you for joining us uh, from your homes. It's been my prayer for you all that by the time you uh, are done watching our service today, you'll understand why we as a church family are captivated by Christ. But even more than that, I've been praying that you personally will be captivated by Christ as you trust Him as your certain hope and your sure Savior and you surrender to Him as the unchallenged master of your life. Would you mind letting us know where you're viewing from in the nation or in the world? We've had some folks viewing uh, friends of ours from Kenya, actually. Uh, you can do that in the comments section at the bottom of the YouTube page. Quick shout out to our uh, audiovisual technician, Doug Jordan, for always making, helping us make this happen week after week. Uh, thanks to Joe Hensley, Megan Smith, Christy Taylor. We have Tim Brooks back today and Matt Towns and, and Jason Farmer for continuing to lead us in worship during this uh, different time. And so we're so thankful. And while we were excited to do Drive Up Church for Easter Sunday, the weather would have made that very difficult today. Uh, our plan is to reschedule for a pretty Sunday. Hopefully, Lord willing, later in the month, we will make sure to get that word out to you if we decide to do that. But this morning, we can celebrate with just as much joy as we ever have because Jesus is alive. Matthew 27 Verse 62 is where we'll pick up our scripture reading this morning. Friday, during the Good Friday communion service, we talked about Jesus' death. Our scripture reading stopped there in, in, in Luke's gospel with Jesus' burial. Matthew's account picks it up from there, and I just wanted to read this as an intro because it's so powerful, the resurrection in light of these verses. Matthew 27, verse 62, the next day, that is after the day of preparation... The chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, speaking of Jesus, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went, and they made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. They were going to make sure there was no ruse of a resurrection. Do all you can to make sure. Well, good luck with that, fellas, because Scripture doesn't end there. And in Luke 24, verse 1, we read, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, the women, went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. By the way, not to let Jesus out, but to let the women in. 
But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened, because by then he did believe. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, And as we do, I want us to to pray for uh, our nation, uh, your neighbors, and and the nations of the world that don't yet know Christ. I want us to pray for an unreached people group this morning called the Gujarati who live in the United Kingdom. These folks are from... uh, all over the Middle East, and they've moved into the United Kingdom. There's 631,000 of these folks in the United Kingdom, and only 0.03%, that's roughly 190 out of 630,000, are believers. And so as we know the joy of the resurrection, uh, there's over half a million people in the UK, uh, the Gujarati, who've never even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, pray with me as we celebrate and as we remember uh, our nation and, and all of those uh, most directly affected by COVID-19 today. Father, we praise you that Jesus lives. We serve a risen and reigning Savior. And this morning, Father, we come and we thank you that we know this truth. And I pray that God, today, that truth would be fresh in the hearts of your people, that it would not just be so familiar that we get bored with the talk of the resurrection, but rather that telling the old, old story would ignite a new joy and peace and hope in in our hearts as your people. And Father, for those who may hear the gospel, the truth of the resurrection for the first time today, God, how I pray that you would work in their hearts and save them. Cause them to put their trust in the risen one, even the Lord Jesus himself. And Lord, today we pray for our neighbors, that they would know you. Our co-workers, our friends, our family members that don't yet trust Christ, we pray, Father, for the nations and especially the Gujarati people uh, found throughout the United Kingdom. God, how we pray that the gospel through churches there would penetrate those communities and that men, women, boys, and girls would come to know Christ. Lord, today we pray for our nation. 
First, we pray for coronavirus patience. We pray for healing. We pray for strength. We pray for families who are grieving the loss of loved ones from the coronavirus in these days, so unexpectedly coming into their lives and taking their loved ones. Father, we pray for our health care providers, those on the front lines day in and day out. And Father, we pray for other service workers that are having to work long and hard to keep the supply chain moving. As, and we also ask God for our leaders at all levels as they work to mitigate this pandemic, God, that you would strengthen them and protect them. We pray for our educators at all levels who continue to instruct our children and young people online. We pray for school cafeteria workers who continue to prepare, in our county, over 1,600 meals for students and for bus drivers who are daily delivering those meals. Father, I pray for our church family, and I pray for intentionality in our lives and in our relationships to communicate with and encourage one another to continue to enjoy Christ and live for his glory. And I also pray, God, you would give us eyes to see ways to serve others in our community even in these days. And Father, we finally lift up our missionaries and our persecuted brothers all around the world. We thank you, Father, for what you are going to do in our hearts and for the glory of the name of Jesus during this time, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glad you joined us this morning. Uh, so we're going to sing Because He Lives. So wherever you are, join in with us.
us as we, uh, Megan's going to lead us in one of beautiful ways.
Jason's going to lead us and is he worthy? And while Megan responds, all you millions of people at home can respond in the same way. Yeah. 
Father, we just bow our hearts before you. Lord Jesus, we fall at your feet. The risen one, whose name is wonderful and beautiful and powerful because you died the death we deserved, bore the curse that was directed from holy and just Almighty God toward our sins, you bore that for us, took our sins, and bore God's wrath in your own body on that tree. But on the third day, you rose. You rose up from the grave, proving that the price had been paid and that it indeed was finished. The wrath of God fully satisfied. Redemption accomplished for the sin enslaved. Victory and eternity given to all who will ever trust you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. And we praise you because you are indeed worthy. And right now we ask that by your spirit and through the the word of the living God, the written word, the scriptures that we call the Bible, God, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts. We all have a fresh need to hear the gospel in a fresh way today. But I especially pray, Father, for anyone who's watching today that has yet to know you as personal Lord and Savior. Who've not yet trusted their soul's eternity into the hands of Jesus Christ. Who've not yet banked on the perfect life, sin atoning death and victorious resurrection of Jesus as all they need for forgiveness, restoration to God, peace with God, the indwelling of the Spirit in this life, walking with Christ day by day, and the certainty of eternity in His presence. Lord, I pray that you'd work in those hearts. Be our teacher, give us clarity, give us understanding of this most important topic of all of Scripture, the most important thing ever discussed in the universe in all of time. Give us ears to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians 15 is where we're going to be. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to be in a number of verses there, and we're just going to unpack that text as we walk through it. Kathy Keller, wife of Tim Keller, wrote an article recently for the Gospel Coalition entitled, Our Faith is Historically Verifiable or It's Nothing. Our faith is historically verifiable or it's nothing. And in that article, she wrote these words. If believing in Jesus is what gets you through the day, as many a skeptic has told me, then good for you. 
We all have our lucky rabbit's foot to comfort us. If Jesus is yours, then fine. Just don't push Jesus on me. Perhaps you've heard that. Perhaps this morning you're viewing and you've said those words. The problem with this argument is that our faith is in things Jesus did. And if he didn't do them, then the whole thing is useless. Every other faith system, even faith in science or education or political power, draw their significance from the good advice that they provide to their adherents. If you live a certain way, observe a number of important rules, act in accord with these precepts, well, life will go well for you. You'll be respected, possibly revered, for making a difference in the progress of civilization. If not now, definitely later, in another realm where you'll get your reward for Islam or in another incarnation for Hinduism or in the peace of non-existence for the Buddhist or in your laudatory obituary in the New York Times. A Christian's faith, however, isn't the ethical is not in the ethical teaching of the Bible, although the Bible's full of ethical teaching. We don't put our faith in what we do so that life will go well. Rather, the Christian places his faith, her hope, in the renewal of renewal in all, in, 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 in all things. We put our confidence in forgiveness in the actions of someone else, namely in Jesus Christ. You see, if Jesus didn't live as he lived, die as he died, and rise as he promised, then we Christians are spending our lives chasing a fairy tale. We're, we're childish. We're stupid. And we're to be pitied. Does it really matter whether or not Jesus actually and physically and bodily was raised from the dead? That's a legitimate question. In fact, it's a crucial question. So crucial that God made sure through the Apostle Paul it was asked and answered all in the same chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15. And God's words answer to that question is as clear as it is straightforward. I want to talk to you about this morning about resurrection. It's no fairy tale. The literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important event in human history. Now, I want to make sure you didn't tune out as I was speaking. I want to, I want you, I want to say that again. This is, this is you, you got to get this. The literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important event in all of human history. Therefore, and don't miss this part, if that is true, your response to the literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most critical action you'll ever take. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul teaches us 
that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, as some in that day were teaching, as many supposedly brilliant academians tell us today, it just can't be so. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then three realities, Paul tells us, result from that. Number one, notice with me in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 13 to 15. First of all, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, God is a liar. God's a liar. That's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. If if it's just absolutely impossible, not at all feasible, even in the supernatural realm, that God could raise the dead, then, then God's a liar. Because the Old Testament foretold the resurrection of Jesus. We could go to a bunch of different places, just one. Psalm 16, verse 10, the psalmist speaking to God there says and, and speaks in messianic language here, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. Now, we know that psalm to be a messianic reference to Jesus due to the New Testament quotations and application of this text to Jesus specifically. You could look at Acts 2.27, uh, also Acts 2.31, and also Acts 13.35. 2.27, 2.31, You can check those verses out later where that psalm is referred to and applied to Jesus. God gave that Old Testament prophecy and so, so many others about the resurrection of Jesus that if there is no resurrection and Jesus hasn't been raised, then God is a liar. If there's no resurrection of the dead, God is a liar. Secondly, because Jesus foretold his own resurrection. In John chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, Jesus answers them and says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Remember, the guys after he was buried, the Jews came and said, hey, we heard him say that. And so that's why we're going to do this whole tomb sealing deal. They replied when Jesus said that, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? They thought he was talking about the actual temple of uh, Herod. But the temple he had spoken of, uh, John says, was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture. And the words that Jesus had spoken. You see, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then God is a liar because he lied in the Old Testament. And Jesus, the supposed son of God, lied because he foretold his own resurrection. Also, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then we have a real problem with many passages like Acts chapter 1 verse 3 where it says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. 
You see, after the resurrection, Jesus purposefully showed himself to his followers in order to prove to them that he was alive. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, God is a liar. Jesus himself is a liar. If Jesus were not raised from the dead, God is a liar, finally, because Jesus' apostles, speaking for God, preached the resurrection. We just read Paul's own testimony in 1 Corinthians 15. We'll be unpacking more of it as we go through. But in Acts chapter 4, verse 33, it says of the apostles, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. This was their message. Preaching a risen Christ was the gospel they preached. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then those apostles were liars. God, Jesus, his apostles, they're all found to be liars if there's no resurrection from the dead. But secondly, this morning, not only if there's no resurrection from the the dead is God a liar, secondly, faith in Christ is useless. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, supposedly, are lost. You see, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then faith in Christ is useless because there is no forgiveness of sins. Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, useless. You are still in your sins. Again, we said this this Friday night. If Jesus stayed dead... He's no different than any other prophet, no other man who's died. How does a dead person save us? More about this in a minute, but just understand, he he would just be a dead prophet, not a living Savior. That's why Romans 4 verse 25 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Yes, both his, his, his death and his resurrection were required. But Jesus had to be raised in order for there to be justification, in order for any person to be made right with God. Now, you might be thinking, I thought the broken body and and shed blood of Jesus were the important things. And they are important. But again, they're important, hear me, they're important because Jesus lives, because he rose from the dead. Jesus' crucifixion would have had no more significance than any other Roman, supposed criminal crucified by Rome had Jesus not risen from the dead. His death would have been empty, would have been meaningless. Just another religious prophet who didn't know when to stop and got himself killed. That's all Jesus would have been without the resurrection. So if Jesus is not raised from the dead, then no forgiveness of sins is available. The cross is a failure, and Jesus was just a loser. And he's still today the prisoner of death. If there is no resurrection from the dead, 
then faith in Christ is useless. Faith in Christ is useless because there is no forgiveness of sin. But secondly, there is no eternal life with God. Verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 15, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. There's no eternal life with God. How can there be if, you're not, if you can't be raised from the dead? If there is no forgiveness of sins, then there is no eternal life, no escape from the wrath of God to come. If we are still in our sins, then when we die, just like those who've already died, we just simply perish. We are eternally damned under the just judgment of God against our sin, and we're dead just like Jesus is dead if the dead can't be raised and if Jesus himself is not risen. We die, and that's it. If there is no resurrection from the dead, God is a liar. Faith in Christ is useless. But thirdly, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then trying to follow Jesus, trying to walk in the steps of Jesus, trying to live the, the, a, a Christ-following life is ridiculous. That's what Paul said. Verse 19, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. I said it at the beginning. We're stupid. What are we doing? Why would we even want to follow Jesus if he's still dead? I mean, where is he going? All of our dying to self in order to serve and obey Jesus for nothing if Jesus was not physically raised to the dead, from the dead. You see, if there's no hope of eternal life with God, then all that is done now in the supposed service of God really won't matter, will it? You know what this passage ought to do if it doesn't do anything else this morning? It ought to get rid of the fakers, the posers in the church. Amen? Y'all all right? Because here's the thing. If you don't really believe in the resurrection, you're wasting your time. If, if it's not, if he didn't rise, we're wasting our time. We're to be pitied. We're to be made fun of. If we have no real hope of ever seeing God face to face and living with him eternally, then to give our lives to make him known is quite frankly a ridiculous and stupid option for us to choose while here on earth. As Paul said, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Jesus is still dead, then we should rather, says the Apostle Paul, just suck all the pleasure, whatever form it takes, that we can get out of this earthly life because it's the only pleasure we'll ever get. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 30. Paul says, and as for us, meaning apostles, those going around preaching this message of resurrection, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day, yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild, wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Paul said, here's the deal. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, why in the world am I traveling the world, putting my life on the line, 
getting stoned and left for dead, getting beaten and imprisoned, what am I doing if he's not really risen? It's a roundabout way of telling the church of Corinth, guys, the whole message I preach is that he's risen, and that's what causes the trouble. And then he just says, here's the deal. If Christ isn't risen, let me tell you my new plan. Eat and drink for tomorrow we die. I'm done with missions. You think I'm going to, 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 to go to one of those crazy uh, cities in Asia Minor and risk getting stoned again? Are you kidding me? I'm throwing a party at the house and staying right there. Eat, drink for tomorrow we die. I mean, this, this is suck it up now because this is all we got. Take it all in, whatever this world can give you, because that's all there is. John Piper helps us and, and doesn't let us as the church off the hook when he says this. Here's what Paul means when he says, eat and drink for tomorrow you die. If there is no resurrection, what makes sense is middle class moderation to maximize earthly pleasures. Hello, the American dream. If there is no resurrection, then what makes sense is middle class moderation to maximize your earthly pleasures. Wow. How many of us were before COVID-19 doing our dead level best to live that out? Because that is the American dream. Now, let me ask you another question. Is that middle class moderation to maximize earthly pleasures, is that the normal you're longing to get back to? Professing to love the only resurrected and true Savior, but living out middle-class moderation to maximize earthly pleasures? Listen, that's exactly the right way to live if Jesus is not risen. Don't waste your time with sacrifice and extreme commitment to tell others about Jesus and, and loving your neighbor sacrificially so they can believe. Don't waste your time raising your kids to believe that the most important thing in all of life is worshiping and witnessing for Jesus no matter the cost. In fact, don't waste your time. Teach them rather that the most important thing is school, sports, and their own happiness if Jesus is not risen because your life will be a whole lot more fun if you do. In fact, worship with all of your heart and all of your life and soul and time. Worship money. Get more of it. Worship pleasure in all the things of the earth here. Worship fun and success and power and position. Teach your kids to do the same because this is all there is if Jesus is still dead. And why waste what little time we have trying to imitate a dead man and influence others to follow him? I mean, that's just ludicrous. And we, listen, we would actually be cruel for our attempts to convert people to follow a dead man. No, 
If the dead are not raised, we should pull out all the stops, get all the immediate gratification we can. We should, as many of us are and we all at some points do, we should idolize money, career success, status in our communities, our own hobbies, our families, our children's academic success, our children's, bless God, athletic performance. In fact, if Jesus is still dead, turn off the live stream now. Because we're all here this morning wasting our time. And never return to church. Because it's plain stupidity, Joe, to worship a Savior, supposedly, who's just a dead man. To follow, to love, to obey Jesus, especially if it brings opposition and suffering, is futile religion if the dead can't be raised. If Jesus was not literally and bodily raised from the dead on Sunday morning after he died on Friday evening. But if Jesus rose from the dead, then that reality, hear me, must change everything. Everything in my life. Everything in your life. And so 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Hear me, there's an empty tomb They never produced the body. Apostles died preaching this message. The church has has flourished and expands today all over the world. (coughs) Why? Because Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Verse 21, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But But each in his turn, Christ the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him, that's me, that's you, we're gonna be raised. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Verse 51 says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. There'll still be believers living when Christ returns, but we will all be changed in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory over death, over sin, through our Lord Jesus Christ. How? Because you raised him the dead because he lives that's why Romans 6 verse 9 says for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead he cannot die again 
Death no longer has mastery over him. Hear me, this is reality. And it's the reality that changes everything. Do you understand now why I said earlier the most significant event in all of human history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, and your response, the most important activity, action you'll ever take, the most important decision you'll ever make that will lead to action is how you respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the undeniable truth of history. Remember Kathy Keller's article? If our faith is not verifiable, then it's nothing. Historically verifiable, then it's nothing. But it's historically verifiable. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. What was most important in Paul's heart and mind, here's the message, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Paul said, Jesus. Jesus, the risen Christ, stopped me on the road to Damascus. I have seen him. You see, to deny Jesus' resurrection is a flat contradiction of eyewitness testimony. Nobody denies eyewitness testimony unless they have evidence to prove it in a court of law, right? Like that's just some of the strongest evidence. To deny Jesus' resurrection is a flat contradiction of eyewitness testimony. To deny Jesus' resurrection is to deny history. You see, almost all of Jesus' disciples would eventually die a martyr's death because they proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus Christ and told their world that they must answer to this living Savior who God has made the judge. Men don't allow themselves to be executed by beheading. That's an axe to the neck or a guillotine of some sort or to be crucified and request that they be crucified, in Peter's case, upside down. People don't do that over what they know to be a lie, a trick, some dramatic ruse for their group. You just don't do it. The apostles believed 100% because they saw Jesus after the resurrection. They touched him. By the way, I said earlier about how the stone was rolled away, not to let Jesus out, but let women in. Uh, What I was thinking about is how later after the resurrection, Jesus appears to them. You know, he just appears in the room. But then they touched his body. I mean, this is a resurrected, glorified body. We don't really understand it all, but, but what... So, so what I mean is Jesus really could have just come out of the, the tomb without the stone being moved, right? Just like he went from place to place there in the post-resurrection days. Not as a phantom, but as real flesh and blood. Remember, he not only could be touched, he also ate and drank. And the disciples therefore believed 100%, so much so that they were willing to die for their faith in the resurrection. J.D. Greer says faith, especially faith in the resurrection of Jesus, 
It's the unexplainable meeting the undeniable. I can't explain resurrection, but it's undeniable. When you look at the evidence, and by the way, I would, I would encourage you to check out the evidence. Uh, t- take, take a look at a book like The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel or The Resurrection Factor by uh, Josh McDowell. A couple great resources to check out. You hear me? Jesus is risen. God cannot lie. And if God is big and strong enough to keep his word by raising Jesus from the dead, you don't ever have to worry about God not doing what he said he will do for you. Now, does that mean he always does it when, he, when you want him to do it? Does that mean things like COVID-19 don't come down in history? Does that mean people don't die from this horrible virus? No. Does that mean children don't lose mothers to cancer? No. There's a lot of things in life I can't understand and explain. But if, Jesus is big, if God is big and strong enough to keep you, his word by raising Jesus from the dead, then here's what I can know. He still loves me and he's still able to keep me. And while many bad things may happen, tragic things, awful things may happen in human history, there will come a day when he will keep me safe for eternity because of the resurrection. Again, this is why Jesus' disciples were willing to die for the sake of the proclamation and allegiance to Jesus' lordship because they knew the resurrection was true and critical and they would not deny it no matter what. You know, if you have doubts about other things the Bible says and teaches, there's a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff in the, in the Bible, isn't there? Questions about why God's word says what it says, you know, maybe a good place to start with all of your doubts, is by taking your doubts straight to Jesus, the resurrected Savior. More often than not, Jesus' resurrection will serve as an eraser in your mind. (laughs) The resurrection will start wiping away your doubts because if he rose from the dead, then so much of the stuff we struggle with, even though we may not fully be able to explain it or understand it even, we can accept and trust that he is faithful and true. Jesus is alive. Our faith is not fuel. We have complete forgiveness of sins as proven by the Father's approval of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, seen in Jesus' resurrection from the dead, so that we also have the hope of resurrection and eternity with God. Jesus' resurrection shouts the success of his sacrifice on the cross. He fully satisfied God's wrath against the sin of all of his sheep, of all who ever believe in him. <coughs> if you're watching this today and you've never trusted Jesus, today can be the day of your salvation. Come to the risen Christ today. The resurrection, it's no fairy tale. The literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important event in human history. Therefore, your response right now 
to the literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most critical action you'll ever take. And Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, tell you, sir, tell you, ma'am, tell you, young man, man, you young lady, how you can know the salvation that the risen Savior wants to give you. It says if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Totally forgiven, made right with God, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You must come. Admitting your sin, your need for a Savior. Believing in your heart that Jesus died for your sins on the cross and then on the third day he rose again proving that it worked. Proving that he is an able Savior. And then you must confess that Jesus and Jesus alone is Savior and Lord. He's the boss from now on of you. He's the head. We're just members of the body. Scotty Smith said, hallelujah. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we're to be, Joe, less pitied than anybody. And we can be more grateful and more hopeful, and we should be more self-sacrificing than everybody else in the world. Because our Savior lives. Following Jesus with lives of sacrifice for his glory. Listen, it's not a ridiculous way to live. It's the only lifestyle that makes sense because Jesus lives. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 15, Jesus died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves or for their families or for their kids or for their jobs, their employers, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And if we'll do that, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 speaks to us. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always, are you doing this, Christian? Fellow, brother in Christ, sister in Christ. I'm, talk, I'm talking to people in the church. Are you doing this? Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. How do you know? Hey, I've been in church a long time, and sometimes you, you feel like your labor in the Lord is in vain. Hello? <laughs> There's enough of y'all in the room even to, to amen that, right? Sometimes you feel like you're just wasting your time. How do you know it's not in vain? Because Jesus lives. And when we serve him, when we allow him to use us, he is alive. He's doing stuff in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls by the power of his own spirit. And so it only makes sense for us as Jesus followers. We should change our routines, our schedules, adjust our budgets, alter our ideas and plans, our family lives, even sacrifice our lives to accomplish God's global purpose. And Jesus gives us resurrection power 
with which to do all this. Not only does it make sense to live this way, he gives us his indwelling resurrection power by his spirit to help us get it done. We don't have any excuse, do we? Hello. We've got a risen Savior and a, and a, and a, and a resident Savior. Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. As you marvel at your risen Savior and Lord this morning, what part of your heart, church, what area of your life needs to change? What must you freely surrender to Jesus today? I'm just going to be honest with you, church. As your pastor, I'm praying, first of all, for a new normal for myself and for our entire church family that makes it much more clear to our world than we've shown them in the past that Jesus' resurrection really does matter. I'm praying that for me, and I'm praying that for you after COVID-19 passes. The literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important event in human history. Therefore, this is true every day of your life, your response to the literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most critical action you will ever take. And hear me, you do. You take, you respond to that every single day. Let's pray together. Father, help us to take the wonder and wonderful truth of the resurrection just as seriously as anything we've ever talked about, ever thought about. And God, help us as your people first to let our days be shaped by the resurrection. To refuse to let anything or anyone be a louder voice, schedule setter, priority setter, expenditure determiner than the resurrection, the risen Christ in our lives. And Father, I pray for those joining us today who have never admitted their sin and their need for a Savior and turned to you, bowed their hearts before you and confessed that you died in their place and rose again and said, and, and said to you, Jesus, I believe you did that for me. I believe it worked. I believe you, your, your, your death paid it all. And I believe that you rose from the dead and you're alive today and I want to serve you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your righteousness. But I come just as I am, and I ask you to do all of that for me. And then I pray you'd empower me to follow you. Father, how I pray you'd work that work and then give them opportunity to confess you with their mouth, just to prove that this is not just some kind of internal little side thing they do with God, but it's real. They really believe it. We, we, we entertain a lot of thoughts that we don't really believe. God, when we really believe something, we tell others. 
So God help them to manifest their heart's trust with their mouth's witness and testimony. Father, thank you for this special day. I pray for our church family that after COVID-19 passes, there would be a new normal among us that more appropriately and fully reflects the glory of the resurrection and shows our community the risen Christ is worthy. He's worth a lot more than we've lived like he is. Help us, God, and begin with me. We pray all this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Even as we close in song, respond to the single most important event in all of human history, even even the risen one himself, Jesus Christ.
And all God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God that He is for us. Jesus is for us. When we were undeserving, He came to be our Savior. He lived and died and rose again for our salvation. What a Savior. We praise His name today. Just a couple of quick announcements. Um, First of all, um, if you are not receiving our church messages then please go on to our church website, eastljbaptist.com. And on the bottom left of the, of the homepage there, you'll find a little connect um, place, a little, a little statement that talks about church messaging. If you'll click on that link, then you can get added. We want you to be in communication with us and know all that's going on during these uh, ever-evolving days, um, keeping up with our services and so forth. And so... Um, also, if there's any way we can serve you during these days, especially those of you who may be more high risk, uh, myself, your deacons, we stand ready to serve you. If, if that means a grocery run, a prescription pickup, however we might help you out during these days, please let us know what we can do. Uh, we are here for you, and we want to, to serve you any way we can. Also, if you, if you come across needs in the community, neighbor needs, other ways and other people that we can serve, then please let us know how we might uh, come alongside you and help with that. Thank you for continuing to financially support the ministry of our church faithfully and, and in so doing worship Christ. Um, any of you are mailing checks, and we appreciate that. You can also give online, again, through our church app, EEBC, or there on our website, eastljbaptist.com, and you can go to the giving tab and uh, do that online. You can set that to be a recurring thing, or you can do a one-time uh, gift. So we appreciate your continuing faithfulness in these difficult days that way. I'm trying to think what else we need to tell everyone. I forgot to put the announcements in my notes today. He's risen indeed. <laughs> they just said to tell you happy Easter and be done. So that's what we're going to do. Thank you for joining us today, and happy Easter. He is risen.